Please be seated. We're all very thankful to our pianists and our musicians uh, who learn who learn these new hymns uh, for us, to introduce them to us, to help us sing and uh, give praise to the Lord. And so thank you for leading us in that, in that hymn. I invite all of you to take your scripture and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 6 in your pew Bible, that's page 841. Uh, we'll be reading Mark 6, <clears throat> verses 30 through uh, 44. Uh, if you've been uh, with us over these months, you know we're journeying through the Gospel of Mark, uh, trying to get the, uh, the Gospel uh, right, understand what in fact the good news is as Jesus appears on the scene uh, proclaiming the Gospel uh, of the, the Kingdom. And uh, last time um, we had heard about King Herod, the Bible takes us into the heart uh, of Herod and what happened there. But just before that happened, we had heard of Jesus sending out the apostles on their mission uh, to bring the gospel and to preach uh, repentance. And so this passage picks up from there as they return to Jesus, ready and excited to share what has happened along the way. And so this is the ever-living and abiding, enduring Word of God. Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. They went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. They ran there on foot from all the towns, got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, it's Jesus, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full, full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves uh, were five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh Lord, how we need your help. As we've just sung of the one born in the stall. As we learn more about the Lord Jesus, and in this passage too, Lord, help us to see him for who he is, that we might love him as we should. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, throughout the four gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have abundant evidence again and again of the greatness and the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. We have uh, miracles, wonders, signs recorded for us in all four of the gospels. And as you know, the same miracle uh, is often recorded in multiple gospels, sometimes in two of gospel, the gospel stories, sometimes in three. Uh, and, uh, and then there is this miracle, which appears in all four Gospels, as if to alert us to its special importance. Did you know there are only two miracles in all the Bible that are recorded in all four Gospels? The resurrection of Jesus Christ and, you guessed it, the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 men plus whatever women and children would have been present with five loaves of bread and two fish. It's a miracle uh, that uh, is meant to teach us something of the greatness and glory uh, of God. Of course, more evidence of Jesus' deity and divinity and power that he could do such a thing. Uh, It's also meant to teach us about the abundant life that is to be found in Jesus. He is the one who provides all that we need. But here in the Gospel of Mark, we find, uh, unlike the other Gospels, uh, we find in this story of the feeding of the 5,000, this reference to Jesus uh, having compassion on these people because uh, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so Mark, unlike the other Gospels, wants us to know this uh, for certain, that what we read here happens because of who Jesus is and who he knows us to be. He is the compassionate shepherd. So let's think about the compassion of the shepherd. First of all, his compassion for the apostles. Jesus, we find out, was looking for some uh, rest uh, for the apostles. Um, In Luke's account, uh, we simply read uh, this when uh, Luke records this uh, miracle. On their return, the apostles told him all they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. Uh, the same miracle. So they were going to Bethsaida, which was about four uh, miles away across the Sea uh, of Galilee. But notice that while Luke simply uh, mentions that Jesus withdrew with the apostles, Mark tells us uh, why. They gave Jesus a full report. We find out of all that had happened, all that they'd done, all that they taught. The same things Jesus was doing, right? He was doing things, wonderful works, uh, and he was teaching the gospel. So they do that, and, um, and as they come back, they find out, or we find out, that they are completely immersed in ministry. There's many people coming and going, uh, so much so the Bible says there was no time to eat. Uh, maybe you've been there in your own life. Maybe you've been busy for the Lord in something, and, uh, um, and, uh, and, you, and you just, it's, it's hard to even take a break um, because you're so uh, involved, committed, overwhelmed. And, of course, in this day, there's no fast food restaurants where they can just quickly grab something along the shore. Uh, No drive-thrus. But especially, the Bible says, no time. No time to eat. And so, at that point, Jesus says, come away. Come away and rest a while. Now, this is important because, clearly, Jesus was not interested in running his apostles into the ground. The Bible says that sleep is a gift from God. Rest is a gift from God. That's why, of course, we have six days to labor, do all our work, 
but the seventh is a, well, that's a Sabbath for the Lord. That's a day of rest. That's what Shabbat means, to rest. God's concerned about that. That's important, isn't it? We're not created for 24-7 life. And especially as Christians, we need to understand it's not godly to be red-eyed, exhausted, and burdened beyond our strength. <laughs> Things of God. Don't come away, says Jesus. Uh, rest a while. So many folks. So much ministry. Um, Jesus has compassion here. Care for his servants. Jesus knows we need time away, away from the crowds, burdens, busyness, to a desolate place. That simply means a deserted place. It means a quiet place where there's not a crowd. That's what that means. It doesn't mean a desert with dirt. But come away to, to rest. He was concerned, in other words, for their well-being as his servants. So this year, uh, next year, sorry, 2024, Pastor Andrew uh, and his family will be on sabbatical for several months. Uh, to come away with his family, comings and goings of the last few years of ministry and trips to the doctor. Um, so they're going to take a time to rest together uh, for a while. Jesus cares for us that much. Yes, rest. Don't feel guilty. Rest from your labor. Jesus says here to his apostles, he, he cares. Said J.C. Ryle, these words, come away and rest a while, are full of tender consideration in the Savior. Our Lord knows well that his servants are flesh as well as spirit and have bodies as well as souls. He knows that at best they have a treasure in earthen vessels and are themselves compassed with many infirmities. We're weak. He shows them that he does not expect from them more than their bodily strength can do. These words, says Ryle, are full of deep wisdom. Our Lord knows well that his servants must attend to their own souls as well as the souls of others. He knows that a constant attention to, attention to public work is apt to make us forget our own private soul business. And that while we're keeping the vineyards of others, we're in danger of neglecting our own. Come away, said Jesus. Rest. In other words, zeal to serve the Lord and others. In all that zeal, remember your own heart and soul needs to find rest and strength in the Lord. And that's what Jesus knows his disciples need. He's, He's compassionate for his servants here. But notice that rest, that rest doesn't, actually, doesn't actually come. Verse 32. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Uh, now many saw them going, uh-oh, and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So this would be like uh, maybe you, uh, you know, Pastor Andrew in, uh, in May says, yeah, we're, our family, we're going to go up to, uh, you know, to Maine for our time of rest. Before they get there, you show up the front door. Um, when they get to their place of rest, you're there. Uh, like that. Um, so they they don't actually get they don't actually get to the rest. There's a crowd there. It was four miles by boat across the sea, eight miles around by the shore. And yet the folks, the Bible says, are so intent on receiving the ministry of Jesus and the apostles, of hearing His word and again seeing what the Lord Jesus is doing. Uh, uh, they meet them there, running all the way. What a picture that is. They, they, um, you know, when's the last time you went running to your place of prayer? When's the last time you or I went running to family devotions? When's the last time we went running to your Bible, uh, running to Sunday school, running to worship? Because you had to be where Jesus is. No dragging yourself out of bed. 
running to get there where Jesus is, his word and his works. And you say, well, wait a minute, was it? Well, don't forget, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Among them. But here, Jesus had called the apostles away to rest a while together. Jesus himself could rest a while. Uh, he was fully man, after all. He grew weary. And so they're anticipating rest, a sabbatical, for a little while. Uh, but that doesn't happen. Verse 34. When he went ashore, Jesus, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep uh, without a shepherd. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and... Now think about your own situation. What would you expect a tired man looking forward to rest to do uh, and to say to this crowd? Probably, he'd probably say to the apostles, let's go back in the boat. (laughs) Let's let's get off again somewhere else. Ah, We're tired. No, but Mark says he had compassion on them. Why? Because, only Mark tells us, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, what a powerful image that is. Think about it. Jesus would have said they're like a body without a head. Or they're like, they're like body parts, but no head. <laughs> so think about, think about your own body. Let's imagine you had all your body parts, but no head. And what would happen? Well, all your different but you wouldn't have the nerve center telling you, you know, so you'd have, you'd have parts doing all sorts of different things, you know, going all sorts of different ways. Uh, I'll stop that because I'm sure that's disturbing as you see me moving my arms around like that. Uh, but that's the idea that they're scattered without a shepherd. Um, and he has compassion on them for that reason. Now that image, of course, for us friends, is one of tenderness Compassion. This is the heart of Jesus. Notice now, not only for the apostles caring for their needs, but for the great crowd. A mixed multitude of folks. Simply the throngs of people crowding around him with mixed motives, to be sure. Compassion for the lost. Jesus had compassion. As Luke says, Jesus welcomed them. He did not tell them to come back later, he began to teach, the Bible says, many things. Luke says he spoke to them of the kingdom of God, of the reign and rule of Jesus as the king uh, in their lives. He did not um, consider them a nuisance. He did not consider them people to be got away from. He had compassion on them. This is Jesus' view, friends, of needy people. Compassion. Moved with compassion. It is that wonderful uh, Greek Word splach nidzomai. I think I mentioned that before because it's my favorite Greek word. Uh, but it's the, the his innards were moved towards them. They're not sent away. Even when Jesus and the apostles are tired, perhaps would like to have some time for themselves. Perhaps would like to have some time on their way, on their uh, own, away from the crowds. Jesus' heart was filled with compassion. He's the compassionate shepherd. He comes to be our shepherd because we are sheep in need of shepherding. Now, they were supposed to have shepherds already. Remember, they had priests and teachers of the law. Um, But remember what the Bible says about them? They would tie up uh, heavy burdens for the people. And then there's that wonderful phrase the Bible says, the priests and teachers of the law would tie up these burdens for people and not lift one finger to help them. 
So it's like, and then walked away. King Herod was a ruler. He, he should have been somehow helping. No, he put faithful John to death in the verses we just read before. Jesus comes to, to shepherd his people. But of course, of course, the sad thing is, apart from the work of grace, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we don't want to be shepherded. We don't want to shepherd. We're fine on our own. Unless the Holy Spirit convicts us that we are actually, we are actually the sheep who need help. This is important. Uh, he came, had compassion. They were sheep without a shepherd. Uh, Jesus did not come preaching a gospel of rugged individualism, as one website characterizes what it means to be American. No. He did not come to preach God helps those who help themselves, which some believe is actually in the Bible. He did not preach, I know you can do it on your own, but perhaps you'd like to add me to your other interests this week. No. Sheep without a shepherd. Not eagles, not lions, not elephants, not peacocks. Sheep who need shepherding. And the wonderful thing, of course, we see here uh, in Mark uh, 6 is this. That Jesus was always uh, uh, more willing and ready to shepherd the people, then the people were willing and ready to be shepherded. That Jesus was always more willing and ready to teach than people were to be taught. And it's also striking that throughout the Gospels, no matter who approached Jesus, whether from good motive or with evil intent, trying to catch him, he would speak to them. He would instruct them. He would teach them somehow. He would shepherd them. Now, this is so important. This gives us such comfort today. This is what Jesus thinks of us. Compassion, sheep without a shepherd. Why is that so comforting? Well, it gives us courage today, too, because we can never come to Jesus. Because you know this, you can never come to Jesus at a bad time. Jesus will never turn us away with a story, I'm too busy. You know, sometimes, sometimes a friend maybe will give you a, a call or a you know, text or something, and it's... It's a, just a bad time. Can't deal with it now. Uh, or a child will want to play with you at a bad time. I, I, I can't do it now. Uh, or a baby. Uh, a ba- babies are known for this. Babies are uh, um, you know, famous for wanting to uh, scream uh, and play with their mother or father at a bad time. You know? uh, in the middle of the night, for instance. When we speak to Jesus... We need never fear that he will use what we've shared with him to hurt us, to spread rumors about us, to injure us. He will not laugh at us or betray a confidence. His heart is moved uh, toward us. In all our sin, all our lostness, with all our less than pure motives, there is compassion from the Savior. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Let the little children come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me, said J.C. Ryle. It is a poor theology which teaches that Christ cares for none except believers. You ever think that to yourself? The only people that Jesus cares about is people in the church. Wrong. We constantly need to relearn the parable of the Good Samaritan and heed Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. That's what characterizes a Christian. Love for enemies. Love for uh, fellow sinners like ourselves. 
who've experienced the grace of God. Oh, he had compassion. He didn't say, get out of here. We're here for our sabbatical. Uh, he had compassion on the lost. Do we? Do we? When we watch the news, uh, uh, when we hear the latest example of confusion and rebellion and foolishness in our country, what are we supposed to think? Oh, one day God's going to judge them. No. We're to have compassion. Our innards are to be moved towards them. They're like sheep without a shepherd. So he is the compassionate shepherd. Uh, but by way of, um, by way of contrast, uh, the apostles, not so much. Verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, uh, and the hour is now late. Send them away. Uh, to go into the surrounding countryside and villages by themselves, uh, something to eat. Uh, the night is getting uh, late. We've got this huge crowd of people. Uh, what are we possibly going to do with all these folks? I know, you, you know, Jesus, you're teaching them and things like that, but uh, darkness is falling. We've got to get them out of here. And they need to go find some food for, uh, for themselves. And so here we have this contrast of Jesus' compassion and the apostles uh, send them away. They're going to be a burden to us. Think of visitors to our congregation. Think of our neighbors. How should we receive them? Do we have time for them? Do we seek them out? Do we speak to them? Are we always willing and ready to encourage them, to love them, to have compassion on them? It is the way of their Savior, but it's not the way of the apostles, and it's not natural to us. Which leads us to see, secondly, that the compassionate shepherd is also a, a shepherd who is incredibly uh, patient with the sheep. One thing we learn about the disciples of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark is that though their understanding of who Jesus is and what he's come to do was always growing and being expanded as Jesus taught them and uh, performed great wonders and signs and miracles demonstrating who he was, we also find out that the, we also find out that the disciples, the apostles, were very slow to learn. Mm-hmm. Just like me. Like all of us. Like us, they often needed to learn something more than once. And uh, even when they learned it, they needed to be reminded of it constantly because we're always forgetting. Think about the love of Jesus Christ for us. We grow discouraged and despairing when we forget his love. Think about the grace of Christ. We end up trusting in our own efforts and, uh, and walk with the Lord, forgetting we're dependent on the grace of Christ. Think about the power of Christ. We lose hope for ourselves. We'll never change. We lose hope for a neighbor or a family member. They'll never change. We lose sight of the power of Christ. We lose sight of the joy of Christ. We live out of anger and pride and selfishness, forgetting the joy that is ours and the Savior and our salvation. We forget about the provision of Christ and we look to our own resources. If anything's going to happen here, I'm going to need to do it myself. Um, and we lose sight of the provision and power of Christ. Well, in this instance, a challenge is presented to the apostles. How are we going to feed 5,000 men and these kids and these women? Um, as they would be challenged 
time and time again by the Savior, rather than being aware that Jesus is with them and that Jesus is in command, that Jesus has all power and authority. Remember what we've just seen in the Gospel of Mark, that he has authority uh, over the creation, over demons, over sickness, over sin, and even over death. They've just seen that. But now with some crowds of folks who are not sure what to do with, they forget that Jesus is with them. And they fall back on their own resources. Send them, uh, send them away. Of course, Jesus, uh, Jesus is testing them here. He wants them, he wants his servants to depend on him and trust in him in this challenge. Not to send them away, but to trust him to provide. Verse 36 is clearly apostles have their mind on earthly things rather than spiritual things. They have their eyes on themselves rather on Jesus. How do we know that? Because when the challenge comes, they despair of their own lack of resources. They said, are we going to spend, uh, you know, uh, a den- denarii, we're told elsewhere in the scripture, was a day's worth of wages. Uh, so are we going to spend, they said, are we going to spend like 20 to 30,000 U.S. dollars on bread for these folks? What do we have? We got five loaves. And two fish. In other words, either we will not have enough, even if we buy, or uh, we won't have enough with these loaves, that's for sure, or we better take it alone at the Bank of Bethsaida uh, to foot this bill. We don't have money for this. In the Gospel of John, Philip actually says at this point, even eight months' wages wouldn't be enough for each person to have a bite. And, of course, what are they doing? They're looking to themselves. They're looking what they have. They're looking at what they lack, but they did not look to Jesus. They looked to themselves when they should have looked to Jesus. Similar to when they were in the boat and the sea grew harsh and they thought Jesus was leaving them in the lurch. You don't even care for us. They forgot it was Jesus whom they served. When faced with a challenge, the apostles despaired of an answer because they forgot the power of their Savior. At the very least, they should have looked to Jesus to supply the need. But instead, they, as we often do ourselves, were trusting in their own resources. I mean, what can I possibly pull together here? Despairing of their own weakness instead of focusing on the glory and power of Jesus, which is what we're supposed to do. Remember what, what the Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My, my grace is sufficient for you, uh, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Or as Paul said in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply every need of yours, every need of yours, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's the truth of the Bible. One man who uh, understood this principle well was a man named Robert Morrison famous missionary to China. The uh, London Missionary Society called Morrison to go to China in 1805. Uh, only, uh, the only ships traveling to China at the time during the Napoleonic Wars belonged to the East India Company, which refused to take missionaries. Problem. So Morrison um, went to the United States, hoping to find another ship to get to China. And when the owner of the ship, that was, you can imagine, that was to take him to China, found out about Morrison's purpose. You're going to China to preach the gospel? Um, this owner of the ship was skeptical and said to Morrison, and so, 
Mr. Morse, do you really expect that you will make an impression on the idolatry of the great Chinese empire? No, sir. Morrison replied, I expect God will. Not me. I expect God will. Oh, yes, through his word. And God made an impression, of course, on China's idolatry. It's when we know our weakness that we're ready to trust to the power of God. And these disciples, these apostles, always had to learn it. What do you got? Five loaves. Two fish. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, that's where we find out that the compassionate shepherd not only is the shepherd who is incredibly patient, but he's also the uh, compassionate shepherd who fully, fully satisfies for all our needs. Perhaps one of the reasons that this miracle is recorded in all four Gospels is due to the sheer number of witnesses who were present. Think about that. You might think, oh, the Bible's made up stories and these miracles, how could they be? The Bible says there were 5,000 men there with their wives and children. Think about all the, the, the witnesses there. Here's a miracle, in other words, that no one could deny. Its greatness, its reality could not be questioned. So what happens? Verse 39, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Why does only Mark mention that the grass was green? Think of Psalm 23. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. Verse uh, verse 44 tells us 5,000 men. Now, all these folks could not be fooled at the same time. Their hunger was real. The food was real. Their satisfied stomachs were real. The 12 baskets left over were real. Here's a miracle done in public before thousands of witnesses. And here's the thing. The same uh, word of God, Jesus, who we're told elsewhere, through whom all things were created in the beginning, creates and multiplies food, which before had not existed Nothing can explain this miracle except the power of God, the power of Jesus, fully man, fully God, compassionate shepherd, powerful God. To put this into perspective, 5,000 men not including any family. How much food would you need for 5,000 men? Well, we have fellowship lunch today, um, and you may have seen uh, much food Coming into the kitchen. Uh, lots of food. Lots of food. Uh, now, uh, we would need about a hundred times, if we, let's say there's a hundred people that join us for fellowship lunch, we would need about a hundred times more food than what is currently cooking. And that you can smell. Uh, but not only that, you know, sometimes at a fellowship lunch, there are folks who could have eaten more, <laughs> but there was no more food. Especially those oatmeal cranberry cookies. They always seem to go. Or the oatmeal raisin or deviled eggs. There's never enough, from my perspective. Uh, so you could always eat more. Um, how much food would it take to fill up every one of us? Every one of us. 
Or imagine having everyone in your town show up unexpectedly for dinner and you feed them with what you have on hand in your fridge. There's 1,350 people in Elmer, 3,600 people in Woodstown. Uh, But if you had Mullica Hill over, that'd be about right. About 4,700 folks for dinner. And you've got the five loaves and the two fish. Now some say who deny the greatness and power of Jesus, that what must have happened is that the boy with the loaves and fish, who John mentions, there was a boy who had these things, that this boy somehow served as an inspiration for everyone else in the crowd that day so that everyone shared the food they had. So the story is really about being generous with our food. Now, a couple problems with that theory, of course. First of all, it denies the glory and power of Jesus in this passage who works miracles throughout the gospel. That's the big problem. But secondly, it also asks us to believe another miracle in its place. That is, all these people uh, who found themselves out late, away from the nearest ShopRite or Acme, had piles of food in their pockets to share with others. (laughs) They just needed an example to do it. Why were the apostles so concerned if everyone's pants were bulging with food? Yeah, no. Now, the Bible says Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, created more by his power, and the Bible says he fed them all. Verse 42, and they all ate. They all ate and were satisfied. Or ate their fill. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. All ate and were satisfied. Friends. This is the Jesus we love and serve and worship and who has, who has come. The compassionate shepherd so that we, that you and I would no longer be shepherdless sheep. Uh, the same one who, uh, who uh, uh, created, through whom the, the world was created, ex nihilo, out of nothing. The same one, Peter, (laughs) providing for thousands of people when his uh, apostles are in in despair. He's the one that calls light out of darkness. He's the one who raises Lazarus from the dead. He is almighty. He is uh, not weak and helpless. He is the king of kings. He speaks and bread and fish. Not enough for himself and the apostles becomes a satisfying abundance, the Bible says, for all who are hungry. In fact, John says the people were given as much as they wanted and ate until they'd eaten their fill. Jesus satisfies their hunger. Now, many years ago, uh, you know the Rolling Stones had a worldwide hit entitled I Can't Get No Satisfaction. And it's just as, it's just as relevant actually today as then, even though our technology uh, is advanced. Just, just remember some of the lyrics. When I'm driving in my car and a man comes on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information. Think about the internet. Supposed to fire my imagination. I can't get no satisfaction. Because I try. And I try. And I try. And I try. When I'm watching my TV. Think of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, whatever it is. A man comes on to tell me how white my shirts can be. Well, he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the cigarettes as me. 
I can't get no satisfaction. Because I try and I try and I try and I try. When I'm riding around the world, I'm doing this, I'm signing that. I can't get no satisfaction, no satisfaction, no satisfaction, no satisfaction. Information, TV, popularity, phones, cars, money, sex, drugs. No, 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 no. Uh, no uh, satisfaction. And friends, that's the truth of sheep without a shepherd. Today, now, in our country, and in our churches. When people are not actually looking to Jesus as the Savior, compassionate shepherd, creator. They come to church once in a while, but their heart is not inclined to the Lord. And as soon as they get out of church, their heart goes back to loving and desiring everything else the world offers. But you know what? At the end of the night and the next morning, they're empty again. Hungry again. Thirsty again. Because they're trying to find life and joy and peace and love and compassion everywhere. But in the one person the Bible says, it's all to be found. In the Lord Jesus. Well, Jesus had much to teach his disciples, but they were to learn from this miracle was simply this, that only Jesus can satisfy and Jesus provides for all our needs. Jesus is, the Bible says, the bread of life. He is the good shepherd. And remember, Mark says he got them to sit down on the, on the green grass and he fed them. Because, of course, the shepherd of Psalm 23 makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. I shall not want. Oh, this is all true. This is all true. The one who has come to give us life. The shepherd who would one day give his own life. For the sheep, that <laughs> we would never be shepherdless again. Are you, are you satisfied in God? Have you uh, ate and drank your fill of all the grace and mercy that comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ? J.C. Ryle said, the heart of man can never be satisfied with the things of this world. It is always empty and hungry and thirsty and dissatisfied. You know any dissatisfied people in America? Can only be that way, said Ryan, till, till that heart comes, comes to Christ. Why does he have compassion? We are sheep. Without a shepherd. But here's the thing the Bible says. Um, Jesus has come. We need no longer be wandering sheep. The good, compassionate shepherd who gives his life, lays it down for the sheep, has come. That we might find our own in him. May that be true of you. May that be true of me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as we read the scripture and by the work of your Holy Spirit, uh, you open up to us your heart and the, uh, the very heart 
of the Savior. O Lord, convict us today that, yes, indeed, we are those sheep. And that if we do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, we are wandering. Nothing quenches our thirst. No desire truly fulfills. No entertainment, no no excitement, no experience ever fully satisfies. But Lord, you've told us why. That you have given us hearts that are restless until they find their rest in you. So draw us, we pray today, to this Jesus revealed to us on the pages of Scripture, a miracle that none could deny, that we too would see him powerful to say, compassionate to shepherds, that we might know where to go, that we might hear his voice. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.